Hello again and welcome to the Master's Voice. I am Celestial and you're welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you're very welcome. The Master's Voice is an audio visual resource that you can find on multiple platforms. So please don't feel limited as to how you use the blog. You can use the blog in written form at www.the-masters-voice.com. You can use it here on YouTube. There's also a Spanish language channel that is called La Voz del Señor. You can also follow the blog in English and Spanish on Rumble. You can find it on BitChute and Brighton. You can find audio channels on, I think it's Odyssey, it's Google and Apple Podcasts, there's Spotify, there's SoundCloud, there's a Telegram, an Instagram, a Facebook, and a TikTok. You're not limited in how you follow the blog. Just keep in mind that as you're following, this is an end times prophecy blog. And so you're only going to hear certain types of information here. These are end times revelations of the Lord Jesus Christ that I have been receiving since the year 2012 until now. It is March, 1st of March, 2024. And I'm continuing with the slavery chronicles prophecy, and this is part three. So the Slavery Chronicles is a group of prophecies that the Lord gave me all on the same day, June the 7th, 2019, which makes them nearly five years old. So these prophecies, I, I think that the best thing that you can do to follow along with them is to listen to them after you have listened to um, some other very surprising prophecies that the Lord gave me. I think it's just a month or two ago concerning the Yehudim. And when I say Yehudim, I'm speaking of the modern day Jewish community. So that is a word that they use for themselves. Yehudim is the word that they use to describe themselves. And that word speaks of a very tightly bonded community, not just in brotherhood, not just in similarity of faith, one brotherhood, one faith, but also because Yehudim, Jews, modern day Jews that live in Israel right now at the moment, they see themselves as a kind of extreme surety for one another, meaning that as long as you're part of this community, Yehudim see themselves as responsible for one another. So if there's a family that can't feed itself, the entire community finds it to be their responsibility to reach out to that family, to find out what their needs are and address them. And as a result of that, they have this mindset of, carrying one another. So there's prophecies to that effect. I think it's called Psalm 83, the Psalm 83 war and Exodus. There's Yehudim will fall. There's another prophecy called Gog and Magog. And there's another one called Israel is a nation. Israel is a nation. So there's about five prophecies. And in those prophecies, the Lord Jesus Christ is stating something that came as a total shock to some people and yet other people who have been reading their Bible for years, this is not a shock to them. So there's different communities around the world that know the truth, just like there are different communities around the world who have never heard this before. And the Lord is making it plain because we are in the final times. We are in the last days. There's some people who are not aware of that. They think, oh no, it's Christianity as usual. Some people aren't even Christians. So they just think that it's life as usual. They just think that we're having more global disturbances than normal. So they're completely outside of the loop, completely outside of biblical wisdom. But Christians who have been deep in their Bible know 
that they can see the signs that our Lord Jesus Christ was talking about. And one of the central themes in the Bible is that the Lord made a promise long ago that he's going to gather his people back. His people were scattered on account of their sin. They were not scattered because colonizers came against them to do evil against them, to punish them out of nowhere. The Lord's people were scattered on account of their sin and their sin and the punishment that would come for it was clearly listed out to them. Nowhere more coherently than Deuteronomy chapter 28. So those things have been covered and I'm now continuing with the slavery chronicles, which at the time the Lord gave it to me, it was, it was quite something. It's been quite a number of years since I got these prophecies where, um, God was saying that he is going to judge the United States of America. And one of the greatest types, one of the most distinguishing parts of the judgment that America will receive is that there will be slavery here. I'm not saying, oh, I'm a slave at my job. I work too hard or, oh no, they're treating us like slaves with this economy. No, I'm talking about the actual remove your clothes and put you on the auction block and sell you in one direction and sell your child in the other direction kind of slavery. I have been bringing that prophecy here since the very first shocking time that the Lord revealed it to me in June of 2019, where I said that the first of the visions, I've already covered it, that prophecy is called the Slavery Chronicles, America in Chains. And I said that I saw Russia and China come here and America was defeated. The war was not shown to me in that prophecy. God was just showing me that the aftermath of the war would be that millions and millions and millions of people would be taken captive in this country and that their clothing would be removed and they would be put on ships and shipped out of this country to foreign centers to serve other masters. The Bible keeps calling it in the book of Ezekiel, the book of Jeremiah, masters whom you have not known. And I will get to that in a moment. People would lose their clothing. They would be humbled. Being naked is a very humbling experience. It is a devastating uh, um, experience. Clothing, we use clothing for fashion. We use clothing as an expression, but clothing is basically protection. It's protection from eyes and it's protection from climate. It's protection from the elements and it's protection from being savaged, being hurt, especially if you are a young person or if you are female. And so that is a signature thing that is going to happen here. And the Lord says that this slavery will happen in America as a direct result of the slavery that happened here in the past. So you're new to the Master's Voice Prophecy blog, you are welcome. This is not a place where I sugarcoat anything. The Lord has said it to me. The Lord has shown it to me. The Lord has given me a charge. The Lord has given me his authority and leave to speak in his name, to use the phrase of prophets, thus saith the Lord. And that is what I, Celestial, do here. And so the prophecy that I'm looking at today is going to require a lot of Bible reading. So if you don't have your Bible with you, I strongly suggest that you get it, or you can pause the prophecy until you get it. Slavery Chronicles, A Cup of Wrath, Part 3, June the 7th, 2019. And this is part of a four or five part vision that I was having. So God was simply showing me scene 
after scene, the first scene is where I said I saw Russia and China come and America was wearing a beautiful robe. And I saw in the old time how the country used to be very loyal to Christian principles, very loyal to the Lord. The Lord was showing me a betrothal of sort that America was a promised bride to him, a wife, and that they had a covenant, they had a communion. But then America began to play the harlot. America began to play the harlot. And if you read Ezekiel chapter 16, it explains it perfectly that I found you when you were young and virginal, but you were dying. You were dying in your blood. You were choking in your blood. And the picture is actually of a very small baby that has been had and the mother doesn't want it. And the mother casts the baby off into the field. And so the baby is there. Umbilical cord is just there, hasn't been cut off, hasn't been tied to drop off, nothing, an abandoned birth. When a baby is cast away, newborn, you know that there's no hope for that baby. Babies can't do nothing. They can't help themselves. That's why they need communion, family, protection. And the Lord is saying, I found this abandoned baby in the field and she was dying and she was choking in her blood. So maybe there was some kind of obstructive mass in the baby's chest or throat. But he says that I found you. I found you, United States of America. I picked you up out of that field, you that were thrown out like a bastard, because Ezekiel 16 actually says that your father was not known, which means that you were just a bastard of no heritage. God says, I took you, I fathered you. He says that I cleaned you, I washed you, and then I salted you with salt. And that's what they would do to Israelite babies. And they still do that in a lot of cultures. The baby's brand new. They come up with all that other cakey, eczema, funky stuff on them. You give them a good wash and then you just salt them during the wash. Why? Because salt cleanses. Salt is a cleanser. Before we had all these fancy medical things that we have, people used to clean with salt. People would disinfect wounds with salt. People treat infections with salt. Salt causes purging of wounds and things like that. So it's a preserver. It's a purifier. God keeps saying in Ezekiel 16, this is the first prophecy, um, America in chains. You were so dirty and you didn't have a chance. And I cleaned you up. I put oil on you. So after you give the baby that rough bath and you come and you bring the pure hemp oil or whatever it is, you put that on the baby and then the baby's skin is clean. The baby is newborn. The baby's ready for some attention, for some maternal love. But we see a father here saying that I supplied you everything that you need and I raised you. I loved you when you grew up and it was your time for love. I betrothed you. So the man is saying, I did everything for you. And then I dressed you with beautiful garments, gold and silver and everything. And then what do we see? He says, and then I turned around and you were playing the harlot. You were out on every hill. You were laying with multiple lovers. And the thing that hurts the man in Ezekiel 16 is that he says, the gifts that I gave you are the gifts you gave your boyfriends. The things that I gave you, the pearls, the diamonds, the beauty, the affluence, I made you so noticeable. And then he says that I saw you playing the harlots and the gifts I gave you, you gave to your lovers. And so that's going to break any covenant. And America should understand that her covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ is already broken. I don't care how many fake evangelicals are telling you that we're in the upswing of the upriding of the peak of the zenith of our holiness. 
This nation has been shut outside the door. Think Matthew 25. Think the virgin that didn't take enough oil. Think the gnashing of teeth in darkness. Think all those things. We only have a facade of Christianity now. We are the country where a woman's toe kicked the Bible across the stage. We are the nation where imbeciles pour syrup on Bibles and desecrate the house of God and say, but I'm giving examples, examples of a melted cerebral cortex, yes, but not biblical examples that draw the hearts to repentance and remind men to keep their eyes and their attention on the cross. We are that nation. We are in a fallen state and God is perfectly within his rights to raise up voices to tell us that and the nation doesn't have a foot to stand on to protest. No matter what the nation says, America, you without a hope, you are without a prayer. And I'm going to read you everything that the Lord has given me in this old prophecy, as well as a brand new prophecy that he has given me and instructed me to add it into this one video. Without a hope, without a prayer, I'm going to show you how biblical judgment prophecy works. I'm going to show you what the prophet's job is, and I'm going to show you what the nation's job is, and I'm going to show you that I have not failed my job at all, but out there, it's a zero for zero. And even the righteous people are going to feel the pain of knowing that when we are a minority in a great sea, that's how we get a zero for zero reading. Please know that we've all experienced death at some point. We've all lost someone, especially if that person is lost to sickness. What happens when sickness claims a person? We know what happens when a car accident claims a person. There's a hard impact and the impact is so hard that it basically just knocks life out of the person. The vital organs are heavily impacted. Too much damage is done too quickly to too much of the person. They fight for life briefly and then they let go. But what happens when the death is too sickness? Is it instant? No. What happens is that there is for a time period, a battle between the sickness and the person, the vital organs, the white blood cells, the person's own will and determination to live, the skill of the doctors, the efficacy of the drugs that they are given. These two camps clash for a while and eventually the camp with the doctors, the camp with the person's will to keep fighting, the camp with the drugs, the camp with the vital organs, the white blood cells, they are eventually lessened by the disease. It's a war. And the side with all these variables grows weaker and weaker while the disease, just one side, one cohesive lump, it grows stronger and stronger and stronger until it gradually overpowers the weaker side. And so nobody who has ever succumbed to disease goes overnight. It's a battle. And let's say that certain parts of the person's body Let's say that it is a disease like Parkinson's, or let's say that it's a disease like cancer or the more deadlier form of high blood pressure or lupus or any of those. You still keep your eyes while your body is sick. You can still speak. 
You still need food. You can still chew and swallow. Your ears still work. You still have tears as you converse with your loved ones. Righteous people, in a dying body, you function as the eyes. You function as the ears. You function as the mouth. But for all the talking and for all the listening and for all the watching that you do, you can't stop the cancer that is affecting the heart, the liver, the lungs, the spleen and pancreas and the entire small and large bowel. Being able to talk doesn't stop cancer eating the belly. Being able to see doesn't stop cancer, carcinoma inflaming the skin. Being able to ask for food or listen as your mother sings your favorite song, it does not stop the degeneration process. And so righteous people in the United States of America need to understand that you're the eyes and the ears and the mouth of a dead, rotten body. And it's time to start grieving about it. And then it's time to ask God to give you the grace to move through the grief process so you can move back into a panel of peace, a panel of sense, and a panel of extremely passionate faith. I haven't started the prophecy yet, but I'm just telling you the wisdom of God because I see many people on all my platforms. I have so many platforms and I cannot go to all of them. I'll make a prophecy and then they'll ask something celestial. Will this still be there or will this still be there? And then I answer, no, it won't be. And then they're like, well, I guess, I guess there's no hope. Then I guess I'm just going to die. And I'm just thinking, God, Please explain to me what form of Christian is this that you have formed in the end times? And it's just a facetious question because I know that the kind of Christian that God forms doesn't think this way, doesn't think, oh, well, I'll just have to. What kind of Christian replies that death is the answer? Death is the answer to what? Death is only the answer to one thing, death. Death answers itself. I know for a fact that the star of the show, I know that this book does not produce the kind of people that have mass produced in the earth today that claim that they're Christians. It's just impossible. There's just no way. Because this book is a formula. This book is a standard. If you want to bake banana bread, there's so many endless variations. And this is why this thing is not banana bread. This is the Bible. And it only produces one type of person, a victor. A person can be eaten up by cancer and lose their life and still die a victor. That is proved by Hebrews chapter 11, where some Christians, their lives were saved and some Christians, their lives were lost, but Jesus gave them all the same A plus and said that they were men and women of incredibly valiant faith. And valiant faith has a sound. Variant, valiant faith is actually a language. Those who speak valiant faith, the minute you speak valiant faith and another person speaks valiant faith, we all know each other. We know each other. And then there are other people speaking every other thing but valiant faith. And I know that this book is not in those people because this book is not banana bread. It doesn't have variations. It only produces one outcome, one man, one woman, one teenager, one child. When it is followed and it is baked at the right number of degrees and left in the oven, it only brings out one 
blueprint, the man of faith. America is on her deathbed. What we're watching now is all the doctors running around and saying we need three more cc's of blood. We need a Donald Trump. We need an injection and infusion of cash into the economy. We need to just make sure that Russia stays in her place. We need to do this and then we'll be back on our feet and we'll be skipping through the meadow and all that is a lie. America is already flatlined. Dr. Jesus has called it. I'm simply here reading time of death. And that is why people can't handle it. Because they still think that there is life when there is none. This is the word of God given to me. One of four visions from June the 7th, 2019. And so here I was saying that prophecy is just like a wind. The wind goes where it goes, it listeth where it, where it will, and nobody can tell where that is. But prophecy is not scattered, it's not all over the place. It's moving all the grain in the same direction. No matter what prophecy you listen to on this channel, it is all heading to one final end. And so a common reaction that you will get when it comes to judgment prophecy is to hear people say, oh no, this is devastating, but we can still pray because God is merciful and God is love and God is very, very good. So let's pray so that this will not come true. If we pray, then God, whose nature is mercy and faithfulness and love to 1000 generations of those who love him, God will hear and then God will turn the judgment away and I said, yes, it is true. God is the one who has 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 in the Bible, that if his people who are called by his name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, and they would call on him, and then he would hear from heaven, and he would, would indeed relent, and he would heal their land. But when it comes to judgment, there are variables that we're going to discuss in this video. And then you will understand that sometimes Repentance is the cure for the individuals who are under the judgment, but it by no means means that God will not do the judgment. I'll say that again. Repentance is the cure for individuals. Watch my finger as I go one by one by one. These are individuals scattered throughout the judged land. Repentance is the cure for individuals who are under a prophetic judgment, but repentance does not mean that God will not do the judgment. That means that you can imagine the judgment as a meteorite hurtling to earth, and you can imagine your repentance as the prayers you will pray, the conversations you will have with God, and the transparency that you will come to him with before the impact as long as you understand that, then you will understand where we are in America, what is happening in America, why it is happening in America, and you will begin to get back your peace so that you can repent and brace for impact. And so 
When I was seeing the vision of America having her clothes taken off, her robe was taken off, and it turned into the flag of the United States and it was torn off, I saw another vision. So I was seeing vision within vision within vision. I saw another vision. I saw a huge, very dull goblet. Could have been silver, could have been pewter or some other cheap material. And this goblet was so wide that I said, it didn't look really like a goblet. It looked more like a foot basin, meaning those large archaic medieval things that they pour water in, and then you can sit and soak your feet in it, or you can do a variety of tasks in it. I saw this foot basin, but it had a stem and it was sitting on a massive table. This was a huge, huge table. And this thing, at the time I saw it, I just came into the vision and it was leaning very dangerously to one side. At the lip of the basin, meaning it's it's like this, it's a wide thing like this. Let's call it a chalice. It's very wide like this, and it's it's leaning very dangerously to the side. And for now, the bulk of the liquid inside it has not wasted. Here, at the point where it's tipping, we're about four or five, let's call it five men and women. Let's say three men and two women. And they were working feverishly to keep this goblet, this chalice from falling over. So the thing was already tipping like this. And these men and women were on the side where it was about to fall. And they were pushing their hands up as high as they possibly could, pressing it against the cup. I mean, these people were sweating with their exertion, okay? Sweating and working with all their power, standing up on their tiptoes to try and what? To try and push this cup to stand back up. They were trying to push the goblet to stand back in an upright position. The goblet basin was leaning so much that some of the thick orange liquid in it had already splashed a few drops out on the table. So all of this was happening on a very massive table, a table so big that the men and the women were very much smaller than this goblet standing on it. And that's why they had to group up on one side to keep it from falling over. I saw that the table was covered with a U.S. flag. So the U.S. flag was a tablecloth. And every time that goblet was wobbling around, some of the liquid splashed out and it burned a scorching hole in the flag, which is understandable. It's cloth, but in the table as well. Tables made of wood. But whenever a few drops of that thing in the cup would splash out, it burned the flag and then it burned the table as well. And you could actually see the floor beneath it. It had already burnt holes at very different points of the flag and each drop caused a fire and quickly ate like acid through the flag and the wood, leaving holes that you could stare through to the floor beneath. I knew the liquid in the cup was deadly and I also saw that those holding it up were under such a strain. Tears mingled with sweat on their faces. They were groaning and straining with their effort of trying to straighten up this cup, but it was just too huge for them. They kept leaning over, spilling drops, and I knew that this thing was going to fall. And so looking at the scene, I understood the following. The Lord God has prepared for America a great cup of wrath. The cup that God has prepared for America is a very big one. 
I know that all nations will be judged eventually, for God is a God of justice, and no one's sins will be covered. But for the weight of sin that has been piled up by this one nation, there is too little or not equal weight of repentance. There's just a few striving Christians crying out, and that cannot prevent what God has planned, because greater sins require greater remorse. Grave sins require true national repentance. And that is the thing that America is lacking. When nations are facing crisis, those that are wise, they don't just wait for the national prayer breakfast. Nations that are facing crisis, like nations that have been, nations in West Africa, I know Nigeria, I know Liberia, those nations have faced the Ebola crisis. And what they did shows that at some point, danger can be so collective that the national consciousness will show through. Danger can be so collective that you can basically tell what a nation is about by how all the people in that country respond. And what those nations did was they went into sackcloth fasting and prayer. It wasn't just about wash your hands and flatten the curve and stay inside. And no, there was nothing like that. Existential threats show you who people are. Existential threats bring out the internal temperature of a nation. And so some, some places will call national day of fasting. Some people will go, I mean, you'll see every church active on every street fighting the threats. Countries that declare national fasts and prayers are those like Nineveh. They fall on their knees and they seek forgiveness of sins and they ask mercy and help from God. So the benchmark that I always use here for equality and fairness is with you, the listener. You are the best benchmark to show the internal temperature of the United States. The second best benchmark are those in your circle. It's your family, it's your friends, it's your acquaintances, such as the people you work with, the people that you have a kind of buddy-buddy relationship with. You see them at the gym, you see them at the squash court, you see them at the place where you go to practice your hobbies. Before anyone can insist, that America is predominantly a Christian nation. This is a Christian nation. This is a nation who loves God. I've heard it all. There's good people here. You don't understand. Please remember, good people, that you are the same good people that the Lord says that once we don't have enough food, once we don't have enough access to medication, once there's not enough stuff, I guess, supplies coming in from the truckers, then the good people of America will start shooting one another, breaking into one another's homes, stealing provisions, going crazy, committing murder. All the rapists, all the rapists will be on a spree. And then the Lord says that when purge anarchy breaks out in the United States, this is when we will see that people are not good. So the problem that we face now, the problem that I, as the messenger of the Lord, face now is that I'm telling you things from the Lord's perspective, which is a settled perspective. God can never be wrong. God can never lie. 
God can never misrepresent anything because God is at the end of all things. He's the alpha, the beginning, yes, but he definitely holds perfect title to omega as well. God is at the end of all things and God has seen all things and God knows the ending of everything. And therefore, if God at the ending tells you maybe at the first quarter or even the third quarter, if he tells you it's going to go down this way, your answer should be, so be it, Lord, or just amen. You don't have any viewpoint or context to say anything because the person who's at the finish line is already telling you, oh, I already saw um, that Russia and China won this thing. I already saw that you go on the boats. So then all the protests in the middle, when you're getting information from the end, is just then pointless. It's pride. So let's go to the markers that can't be beat. You come here and you hear the word of the Lord and perhaps the word of the Lord hits you the right way. You get an arrow in between the joints of your armor, which is just a picture from the Bible because the armor that they wore, even in the older times, not even Bible times, it was just leather in the Bible times, lots of thick leather to try and help them. And then later they had iron and stuff like that. And so they had better iron in the Roman times, but it was still armor. You had to put the pieces on and then sometimes there would be a hole. And the good archers would put poison. They would put poison on the tips of their arrows. And then they would be trying to aim for the joints of the armor where there's a hole, a little creaky hole between the arm sleeve part and the chest part. Once you get a person in there, even if there's no poison, if you can get him in there and get him in a few other places, like King Ahab, you'd have to take him off the battlefield and then he'd usually bleed out. So... Maybe you've come here and the word of the Lord has hit you between the joints of your armor. You know where your weaknesses are. You know what you're doing. And the prophecies get you in a way where you break down that hard shell that sin forms on everybody who practices it. No one is immune from the hardening, from the hardening um, action of sin. Sin hardens the human heart because sin is of Satan. Sin is the manifestation of the will, desires, and action of not the Holy Spirit, but the devil. So whoever practices sin is actually a child of the devil. Doesn't matter what they're telling you in Lakewood this weekend. The truth of the matter is that whoever walks in the way of darkness is of the way of darkness and is a child of the king of darkness, who is Satan. That's why the Bible tells us that we must cleanse ourselves of these things so that we can become vessels fit for honor. That is the only way to come into communion with God. We have to repent of sin. So you've come here and the prophecies managed to get you and you repent of sin. You rejoice like the man who got delivered of his legion of demons. And you now begin to have the same thing because deliverance and being free and hearing the truth and having the fear of God come upon you. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You start to feel charged up because that's what, that's what the true word of God does. It brings light. It brings life. It brings verve. You feel renewed and you want to run out and tell someone. So the first marker that the truth of God is being spoken here is that for some, not all for some, for a very few you are a very few that believe here. Don't let the channel numbers fool you. The channel numbers are never going to match up to 340 million people. And that's just America alone. I'm not talking about all the other people. 
The channel numbers include a lot of people from other nations who have repented. So don't think that's all American repentance and American following. It's not. When people all over the world, I'm amazed where people are watching from, who are catching these arrows and stabbing themselves in the joints and saying, Celestial, could you put English subtitles for us? Because we want to listen too. So you get hit by an arrow and it does a good work in you. And now you want to you wanna go and, and stab someone else with these arrows. How's it working for you out there, Christian nation? How's it, how's it working for you out there in the wide open fields and metropolis of your city? Are they, are they in agreement with you that Donald Trump is going to lose his life? Do they agree with you that Kamala Harris is going to be president? Do they find you a credible witness that giants will come to this earth again? The ones that haven't died, that are sleeping in the ice, that are sleeping in the tundra? Are they agreeing with you? Or do they mock you and do they find you foolish? And do they tell you to stop following conspiracy cults? She's been debunked. How do you debunk the coming of a coup and a civil war? Who can do it? America can. America can debunk anything. Just give us time and energy and Wi-Fi. We'll get it done. The first marker is you. You that does not agree and you leave. And therefore, we never get to get to the second marker, which is that you can leave with some arrows to try and get other people in your household, your family, your workplace saved and brought on board. The first marker is you who are still here after six months. I don't know about all this. I'm watching to see. So you're watching to see. You're basically that person outside Noah's boat who is waiting to get some first raindrops and then you will believe. Unfortunately, by the time it starts raining on you, you will notice that you would not have prepared. And that's because the Bible says of Noah that Noah moved with holy fear when God spoke to him. That means that when God told Noah it's going to rain, before Noah saw any rain and before anything, as soon as God spoke to him, Noah moved to action. Holy fear means that you hear the word of the Lord and you have reverence enough. First of all, you have wisdom enough to know it's God speaking to you and then reverence enough for that voice to move into action, to move into prayer. God, what should I do? She's speaking of a civil war. I don't know everything, but I do know that crossing borders and boarding flights requires a passport. I'll start there. I don't even have the money for a passport. Wow. So I can't even start with a passport. I have to start with one of those little piggies from Walmart and I start putting money into it. And I'm going to believe God for overtime. And I'm going to believe God for unexpected blessings and checks in the mail and finding a hundred bucks on the street. I'm going to believe God for supernatural means to fill my piggy so I can move to the passport stage. Some people don't even need a piggy and they don't even need the passport stage. They're out of here. They've already moved. They're in Aruba watching this message and telling me, I like it, sister. We moved in 85. We knew something was coming. Imagine these are the different stages of wisdom. 
Some people came, they watched one video, they made an erroneous judgment, and they're gone. That's it for them and their family. They will meet these prophecies on the other side of midnight. And then there's some people who are wasting their time here, waiting for something to happen. And then there's other people who, as soon as I heard you, I knew it was the Lord. Those people are moving with holy fear. They may not have the whole plan, but they know the voice of God and they're preparing with it. And that's not all it takes. How is it going in your communities to share these messages? Because that will tell you the national temperature. Are you having great revivals in your Bible study when you bring these things up? Are you even allowed to speak of these messages in your Bible study? Can you even bring them up and not get shot down? People are getting kicked out of their longtime groups that they've been in. The minute they mention that they listen here, oh, you're following that, this and that, and then they're out. You're experiencing break, broken hearts out there. And I told you that this was going to happen. At the beginning of the messages, I told you you would be rejected for the sake of these messages because I am rejected for the sake of these messages because God is rejected for the sake of these messages. God can't speak in America. How dare God talk about judging the greatest country in the world? Has God seen the red, white, and blue? Is it, are his eyes open? Does he, does he know who we are? What's wrong with him? What on earth does he mean tsunamis and sinkholes and that he's going to drown Florida and Texas? He would never. God is love. If God is rejected as the master, the servant is not greater than the master and her brethren are not greater than her or the master. So it's you, me, and God all put to the side for the sake of these messages, which in turn reveals the heart of the nation. This is a nation that does not want to repent. This is a nation that cannot even ex collectively accept guilt for slavery, for instance. I am in the slavery series. This is the second prophecy of four, I think. There's wildly different understandings of that evil. There's wildly different belief systems around it. People don't want to talk about it. It's in the past. And yet the Lord says that it is a wound that is upon his people still, an unhealed thing that actually disfigures them and makes them ugly. Now the ones who were physically disfigured and lynched from trees and turned into handbags and purses and their children thrown into the river so that the crocodiles could come out, the babies were thrown into the river and used as baits so that the crocodiles could come out so that the good old boys could hunt them. Those people have passed on. But this wound is not only generational, but traumatically generational, and it remains upon the people to this day. It is a disfigurement upon their faces. And God says that this wound is upon him also. And that is the reason that he is going to put a shovel and a blowtorch on the false Israel that is in the Middle East and remove them because that is not his people and that is not their land. And even the speaking of that truth makes shock waves go through people when they hear it. And yet there's people of all ethnicities, all backgrounds, speaking the same truth on the internet everywhere right now. This is the raging debate right now. Who is Israel? Who is it talking about? 
And those people, when they speak it, especially if they don't look like me, they get rejected by their own communities. They get cursed out. They're told that they're delusional, and yet they're speaking the truth. They've simply looked into their Bibles, they've prayed, and God has opened their understanding, and they have this understanding. If America cannot confess to this great evil that it is documented that she did, and she is actively rewriting history and putting all kinds of unbelievable lies in the children's social studies books and saying some slaves were were happy with the work that they did. And they draw, I've seen it with my eyes on Facebook. They draw the slaves in top hats and, and nice collars and nice dresses sitting at the same table with their masters. In which universe did this occur? And we can't say it's AI doing it because it's, it's children, children's level coloring books. If there's no repentance for sin, there can be no mercy. Let me read it to you here. Very short sentences. March the 1st, 2024. The Lord said to tell America that mercy is reserved for repentance. Mercy, that is grace given to one under condemnation, is reserved, that is, it is kept aside only for a specific party, is reserved for repentance. Repentance is the confession of a sin. But one thing that the pastors leave out is that you can never confess a sin for which you have no remorse. It is impossible to say sorry when you don't feel sorry. And this is why people never say sorry. People say fake sorry, but if there's one thing that we have, we're able to gauge when an apology is genuine or not. You cannot repent if you feel that you are not guilty of something. And therefore, if you feel that you are not guilty of something, you are never going to be that person that mercy is reserved for. Do you see how it operates in a cycle? You can only get mercy if you repent. And if you will not repent, you cannot get mercy. And so that cycle goes, eating its tail, eating its tail. The second sentence is this, an unrepentant people cannot move the Lord's heart to repentance. Now look at that. An unrepentant people cannot move the Lord's heart to repentance. God is saying that he also will never be sorry for the judgment that he puts upon people who are unrepentant. So repentant people, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways, listen to all those stipulations, Humble yourself, come down in your own eyes, come down in your own estimation, come down in how you see yourself, come down in your view of your level of guilt. People do hideous things to other people and then say, it wasn't that bad. I think she's dramatic. Can you imagine you hurt someone and then you want to exalt yourself to be the umpire of how much pain they should feel from your actions? Is this not insanity on wheels? And yet people are doing it. And they're doing it because the Bible tells us that the love of man will grow cold. Your heart has to be cold as ice to hurt someone and then say, and I want to gauge the pain that I, I think that my action was a three. Her, she's at a nine and she needs to come down. I can meet her in the middle, maybe a six, but it doesn't take all that. 
Imagine this is happening. You can't be moved to repentance without humility. It's possible that I did do that. It's possible that I've caused more damage than I could have ever imagined. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Confess your sin. One of the benefits of doing that is the Bible says, then you'll be able to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Many of many people are wrapped up in a life with Satan because they can't humble themselves. They can't come down. They think they're an equal match for the devil and he's dragging them like a sack of trash to put it out on the curb for the trash guys. Unrepentant people cannot move the Lord's heart to repentance. God will never turn back from a judgment that he puts upon hardened people. This is how, this is how Pharaoh earned himself a grave in the sea. Pharaoh would not stop. Pharaoh had no off button. You couldn't tell Pharaoh nothing. But Pharaoh forgot that hard hearts never move God's heart to soften. And that's why he's buried now under the water and not under sand like most people, like most people are, like most people get buried. And so the role of repentance cannot be overestimated. It cannot be, it cannot be highly plugged enough. No one can come to this channel and say, that they have not been told to repent. No one can come here and say that they never heard that as the impact draws near, repentance is essential. But the argument is, why is the impact coming? I don't trust this story about the impact. Impact for who? From where? Where are you getting all this? What spirit is she listening to? I'm listening to the spirit of the impact. I'm listening to the spirit who has designed the impact, prepared it, has put it in so many scriptures that I'm still to read to you, and then has sent me to proclaim impact incoming, impact incoming, impact incoming. And the people are fixated on the impact. When is the impact celestial? What will you do about it? Nothing. You can't do anything about it. So you don't need to know when it is. You don't need to try to force me into giving you dates. I don't give dates. When I'm reading a date, that's the date the Lord spoke to me, the date I saw the vision or the prophecy. The fulfillment is the Lord's. The timings is the Lord. When it happens, the glory is the Lord's. And you know that I will be here in HD IMAX 4D to give it to him, to remind everyone who walked away, everyone who was in the middle waiting for something to happen, and everyone who believed and went to prepare with holy fear, I will be here to remind everyone that this and this has fulfilled, this and that has fulfilled. Right now, the gatekeepers are falling in the entertainment industry. A year and a half ago, nearly two years ago, no one wanted to believe me when I was speaking of these names, all your favorite rappers' names, your Diddy Combs' names, and your Rock Nation names. And now they are being kindled and all of a sudden, the shock of it is so much that people are forgetting that God was talking about these sodomites long ago, about how angry he is with them, about what they do. These are the sins that are in the cup. These are the sins that have brought the judgment, defiling minors because they want to sing, because they want to be in the movies. A sodomite nation, a nation of men, 
actively leaving their wives on every social media platform for other men, men who are fathers of two, three children. So this isn't even men who have shown that they live somewhere over the rainbow since they were children. No, these are father figures who have been hiding in the woodwork for years. Men in every walk of life, men in education, men in business, men in finance, men in the movies, ordinary fathers, accountants, men in the military. I mean, they are sass walking their way into two by two male relationships, abandoning their families. But I was speaking all of this in the sodomy ritual. And what I was hearing is, I think this is too graphic for us. This is not PG for the church. The church is rapists of children. What PG do we need here? Abortion, sodomy, homosexuality, transgender, human trafficking, cannibalism. This is eating human flesh. Greed, murder, bestiality, child rape. Because if I say child abuse, then you just think it's hitting the child. No, it is raping the child. It is raping even up to 18 years old because she still lives in your roof. She still lives at your house. They just caught a man having a sleepover with three little girls at his house and he was giving them some cough medicine that people use to fight off insomnia. He made them mango smoothies. And he put the cough medicine in there. And one of the little girls was his own daughter, a grown man, 12-year-olds. Two girls come over to spend the night at his house with his daughter. He gives them that rape pre-cocktail and then kept going down to the basement to check if they were asleep yet. But one child wasn't asleep. She felt that she wasn't right. She contacted family, and when she couldn't reach her parents, she contacted a family friend, and that's how they got him. Let's talk about it. A father ate his child's face off recently. He's in custody now. His child was found with the face eaten off. How many fathers have shot their wives and children recently? Is Chris Watts alone? Is Chris Watts the only murderer in America? Aren't these things becoming commonplace? Is this not what I said in 2021? Horrible crimes are on the way. The police are going to get 911 calls and when they show up, they're going to want to throw up because of what they will find there. And the most damage will be family member to family member. 911 operators are going to have PTSD. I said, they're going to go into their supervisor and say, I can't handle these calls. If I have to keep taking these calls, I'm actually going to go crazy. You need to put me in a different department or I'm going to have to quit. And when they don't move her, she's going to quit and replace her with a man thinking that the man is tougher and the man is going to quit six weeks later. I said that the police will stop coming. The police will stop answering the 911 calls. Just watch. You think it's protect and serve? It's going to be deflect and swerve. They're going to run away out of there. Officer Harold and Officer Ben are going to look at the, at the station calls coming in on their cars and they're going to think of their wives and families because the criminals are going to be out here going for broke, coked up, meth up, and ready to shoot whatever moves. Cop or victim. A 
America isn't hiding her underbelly anymore. So what do we keep arguing about? What are we arguing for? Why are we arguing that the impact has no right to come instead of going down on our knees to repent? Bestiality, child rape, child starvation, child ritual abuse, including sodomy, killing children on altars, gutting children, eating newborn children from the womb, women having sex on their, on their time of the month, Men receiving that in their mouth. Men laying with men, men laying with children, women laying with children, people laying with dogs. Untold international aggression, corrupting the nations, promoting perversion around the world. The cup of wrath that God has prepared for this nation is great. And the repentance has to be at a certain level what did Jesus say about salt that loses its saltiness? Let's look at the church. Pedophile junction. At least he's living his truth. Who are they talking about? The worship leader. The person who actually prepares the cup that we are going to offer as a church to the Lord. He's living his truth as a gay, bi, trans man. But he's still welcome in the house of God. No change is required. The pastor is a crowd pleaser and always says, we're working with Deacon Jamal. God's not done with him. This is the nation of the pithy saying, God's not done with me. He's not through with me yet. What that statement says is, I'm going to stay in the stagnant state and keep swimming in the lake of sin forever because God will constantly extend grace to me because he loves me that much that he's willing to abandon his word. Current modern day Christianity in the world, but generally here, it requires nothing of the Christian, no change, no exertion. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But if you preach that people will say that's a workspace gospel. Jesus did it all. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus did his part. It is now for us to put off the deceitfulness of the flesh. But we don't like to hear that because it's works based. Yet the Bible itself says that faith without works is dead. Show me your faith with no works and I'll show you my faith by my works, says Apostle James. So there we have it. Salt that is not salty is fit for nothing except to be cast out and trampled by men. So America that used to salt the nations, used to send missionaries everywhere. The bright light of the gospel used to shine here. It's gone off. And now the Lord is saying in his wise estimation that the salt is not salty, but the salt is arguing and saying, no, we don't agree. We feel pretty salty. And anyway, you can't toss us out to be trampled by men. Notice that Jesus didn't say he will do the trampling. He said that the salt will be put out to be trampled by men. Those are Chinese boots, Russian boots. If the church has failed its function, why should the Bible verse that says, for now the time has come when judgment must begin first at the house of God. What is to prevent that Bible verse from coming true? Why should that Bible verse tarry? 
If we fail to be salt, if we fail to be light, if you are a Christian and you are listening to Beyonce, if you are a Christian, you are listening to Jay-Z, you're listening to these people with their filthy Doja Cat lyrics. You are taking your face and following Kirk Franklin around the country as he gyrates his little miniature tiny self like a stripper. But then you will say, don't judge. And then when there's a crisis in your house, you will want to come crawling back to God and start begging for favors. Like you are owed anything. Like you are owed anything. You want to be so unmerciful to the Lord. So unfaithful. A harlot in all your ways. What about a grown man in a lace shirt thrusting his crotch in your faces? Females. Males. And then you're clapping. When I close my eyes and think of you, think of who? Satan, who? Who are you thinking of? The Bible says avoid every, every instance of unrighteousness. Avoid the hint of it, the smell of unrighteousness. The Bible says avoid every appearance of evil. Does that appear righteous to you? Why are you there? When you go to these concerts and you see these immoral set pieces, they're showing you wounds and things like that. A person cannot do their work on social media. I cannot upload these videos without being confronted of images of immorality at all the concerts. 50 foot demons, 50 foot demonic holograms at the concerts. You're there. You're participating in the witchcraft initiations. You're out there being disloyal to God as you want to be. And then you want to creep back and talk to him about your needs, about that rent, about your bad kids. You are the bad kid. You're schizophrenic. You're light and darkness, salt and filth. And there's no place in the kingdom for people like that. There's no place in the kingdom for people like that. You can't play with God like that. And think that he will always take it. The Bible says that the Lord will not strive with us forever. How do you dress in a way to provoke lust and then gaslight the people and then say, oh no, it's the lust in his heart. They're full of lust. Your lust is showing. Your harlotry and your Delilah nature is what is provoking the lust. Have you ever heard of a stumbling block? Male and female, have you ever heard of a stumbling block? A person who deliberately obstructs the way of another person. Apostle Paul says, don't even eat meat near your brother if he's too weak to understand about meat sacrificed to idols. Don't cause your brother to stumble. Don't tempt him. But then the women of this nation will tempt people and then say, no, I'm dressing for me. You're not dressing for him. You're not dressing for yourself. You're dressing to get attention. You're dressing to get attention the same way that drag queens paint their hair yellow, green, and pink to get attention. They're not doing that for themselves. It's the peacock spirit in them. It's the peacock spirit in them. It is the lifted up Leviathan spirit in them. It is the Jezebel harlotry that dresses the women of this country. And the only person who is deceived about the spirit working in them is the women themselves. It is the men themselves. If the Lord sent me to tell you 
that since you want to be porn stars, the Russians and the Chinese are going to help people in this country to kick off your porn career because the, the height of porn is no clothes. The Russians and the Chinese will come and help everyone get an OnlyFans and take them to Beijing. Why are you upset? Why do we pretend? Why do we act like we can't see the America that we have? When the vice president of this country is going around and suggesting homosexuality to entire sovereign nations out there, America literally sent this woman out there to pimp male sex and female sex for cash. Take this money and be gay. Take this money and be gay. Everyone has seen us do that. And then we want to say that there should be no judgment for that. We want to say that God should bear long with the sinner while the sinners are working on dropping their latest sin album. Sin double disc. Watch us do it bigger and better in 2024 to 2028. But don't judge us, God. Bear long with us. There will be nothing of that nature. There will be nothing of that nature. I pray and pray and pray with all my heart before I come here. And so when it suddenly goes from zero to a hundred, I don't hold it back because I know that is the Holy Spirit at work. The Holy Spirit is at work because if our souls are not provoked to repentance, the Lord will light up this country and every single person in this nation is going to pay in some way, shape or form. I have already told you there will not be a single heart in this country that's not broken. Not a single heart is going to make it out without being broken in some way. So all I can say to you if is that you are a righteous person, you better pray and hope and fast that the breaking will be because you have to watch your family go through something and that it's not going to come to you. If you haven't read and understood Ezekiel 9, I have said it here a million and one times that the judgment is not because you're old, and you don't deserve to be judged. The judgment is not because you're three years old and you don't deserve to be judged. When judgment comes to a nation, it is whole. It is sound. It is deserved. I was talking to the Lord today and I was like, Father, these people need to understand that you don't make mistakes. You need to understand in your heart and soul, the way I understand in my heart and soul, that God makes no mistakes. If God said you did it, better start crying and repenting because you did it. Even if you haven't done it yet, you've already done it. He's already seen you do it. And so the only thing that's required from us, flesh, is to start praying and saying, oh God, please don't let the thing that I did that I don't know about yet destroy me. Please have mercy on me and keep me from all the things that I haven't done yet. That's wisdom. That is wisdom in a Christian. Not to come here taxing my soul and talking about, well, how do I know these things are true? How do I know that there's not a cloud between your ears? That's my question. How do I even know that you're not hearing Portuguese when I speak? That's what I'm wondering over here. Who told you Satan cares about your outcome? Who told you Satan cares about our souls in, in this country? Who told you that Satan will ever sit someone here to speak life to you and tell you that waking up in a strange bed as a married man is not how it goes in the scripture? To tell you that two men can't lay up in a bed, nor two women, nor a man become a woman, nor a woman become a man. Who told you that your sex that is imprinted upon the flesh is flexible. 
Who told you you can take off sexuality like a shoe and put on the one that you want and go to doctor whoever and tell him, make me a girl because I'm feeling frisky. Who told you it works like that? And who told you that God is supposed to be sidelined like this, ignored like this, overlooked like this, wounded like this, disrespected like this? What nation can do the things that I'm telling you and continue? Name that nation for me. Tell me the nation that can treat God like this. Can a nation exchange its gods and continue? Is it possible? Is it biblical? Have you heard it before? Would Satan teach you this? The new world order is digging graves for us as I speak. And the standard is righteous versus unrighteous. That's all it is. It's not old. It's not black versus white. It's not old versus young. It's not boy versus girl. It's righteous versus unrighteous. What household is upholding Jesus Christ in the household? What household is singing songs of worship to the Lord? What single person is waking up in the morning and saying to the Lord respectfully, I'm so thankful that you gave me another day. I don't deserve anything that you've given me. There are people outside in the street, migrant or native or green card or visitor. There are people outside in the street, but I am indoors. It is winter, but I am warm. Some are hungry, but I have food. I give you thanks. Give me your wisdom today as I leave the house. Protect me from the evil arrows. Protect me from the sad, sudden calamity that strikes at noonday. If a thousand fall by my side, Lord, because there's a mass shooting, it will not come by me. I will crush the head of the dragon. I will crush the head of the serpent. The lion and the young lion will I trample under my feet. The serpent and the scorpion, almighty God, you have put under my feet. You have given your angels charge over me that they will keep me in all my ways. Your angels know my ways. If I'm about to take a step that is not a righteous way, the angel will curb me because the angel is serving the most high God. Keep me in the shadow of your wing. Protect me, be my refuge, be my shelter, keep me safe. Those who are seeking for my life, almighty God, you will feed them their own flesh and make them drink their own blood. The pit that they dug for me, they shall fall into it. What's in your mouth besides Donald Trump? What's in your mouth besides Joe Biden? Politics worshippers. Is it possible for you to build an altar to the almighty before you die? Is it possible that you might, can we borrow a few of the MAGA bricks and build the man an altar and worship and sacrifice bulls and thanksgiving and praise on it? Can you bring your two-year-old and your five-year-old that are so precious? Celestial, will something happen to the children? Yes, because something happened to the children in Yemen. Something happened to the Syrian children. Something happened to the Afghanistani children. Rumor had it that they're dead. Yes, something will happen to the children. So is it possible to just get a few moments of your time? Can I speak to you about your car's extended warranty? Are we able to borrow some bricks from your precious life and build Jesus Christ a new altar in this country that is hurtling on its way to hell? Can we build an altar to Jesus Christ in this country? Can you kneel down? When did you last kneel down to pray? When did you last kneel down? 
When did you last lie prostrate on the floor and repent of your sins? The things that you did when you were an 18 year old jock that you should be afraid and ashamed of now. If you never spoke to God about it, because someone just told you, why don't you just come up here to the front? There's plenty of, there's plenty of room here in the front. Let's just love on him a moment. You don't get saved by loving on him. Loving on him is just a part of the process. You must confess your sins. Jesus didn't say to that naked woman, go and get another boyfriend. He told her, go and sin no more. Are you breaking up with your ways? Are you breaking up with your ways? Or are you waiting to catch some stray bullets in these judgments that are coming? Are you even sorry for the things that you do? Do you even think that they are worthy of confession of sin? Because there's a syndrome in the earth today, and that syndrome, I, I just call it God's favorite child. We have an epidemic of God's favorite child. God loves you too much to judge your sin. God loves you too much to bring it up. Half of the people that are thinking this way, you are speaking to demons. God told me. God didn't tell you anything. You haven't heard the voice of God since the 80s. He didn't tell you nothing. He hasn't spoken to you in a long time because that turtle back shell of sin is on you. You need to break up with this complacency that he doesn't care about what you wear. You're lying to yourself. You are lying to yourself. What a shame to go to the lake of fire because of Balenciaga and Fendi, because of Birkin bags and showing your backside everywhere you go. What a shame to end up like that. What a shame to burn in hell for a thousand upon a thousand upon a thousand generations because you don't know how to act as a woman, as a grown man. You don't know how to present yourself as a teenager. You don't know how to keep a foul tongue out of your mouth. What a shame to burn in hell for eternity because nobody on the stages of the United States church cares enough to preach a sermon that we must be holy. We are a holy people. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, Holy, holy. But they have an offering basket in every corner of the church to make sure that you fund their, their, their potter's house lifestyle. And you, it's your fault. It's your fault. They're great because of you. They could never be great unless you gave them that status. It's you. They're the cup that should fall. They're the cup that should fall over. The whoremongers and the perverts of this nation in every single walk of life, they're the cup that should fall, but they can't fall because their minions are propping them up. Their minions are protecting them. Their minions are shielding their crimes. Their minions are telling the victims to hush, don't press charges. Their minions are all over social media. He's a man of God. He's a man of bail and your baby bail. The bail supporter, the sympathizer of sin, the one who lacks wisdom, the one who doesn't understand that when unrighteousness flourishes in a nation, people suffer. 
People get hurt. People get stolen and put in the backs of vans and raped to death. People get cooked for their melanin and eaten. It's you. You perpetrate this cycle. You're the one who hates the Lord. It's not the righteous. It's not us, the few eyes and ears who see, who hear, who try to have a conversation and we get shut down. It's not us who have the boldness to speak and then we get slandered by fools out there who don't know the difference between light and dark, good and evil, right and wrong. We love God. Our punishment is just to watch everything that looks like God disappear and it will all disappear. It will all disappear. That grandfather is going to marry that six-year-old in the United States. Pedophilia will be legal in the United States. Bestiality will be legal in the United States. We will get the hell that we argued on the steps of Capitol Hill for. We will get the hell that we argued on the steps of the Supreme Court for. Every disgusting thing that you can think of in the world will be legal here. When you see a woman with a big dog, that's her boyfriend. When you see a man with a big dog, that's his boyfriend. It will be legal here. You open your mouth and talk about it. You open your mouth and say anything about it and see where they'll take you, see what they'll do to you. That's our hell, to be the working eyes, to be the functioning ears, and to be the mouth that won't stay silent in a body that's dead, in a body that's rotted, in a body that's a stench in the nose of God. This cup is going to fall, and that judgment that is hot enough to burn holes in the U.S. flag is going to pour out upon this nation, every last drop. And you heard it here first. With all passion and all sincerity and all honesty, you heard it here first. And when you're living through it, you will remember that there was a prophet here who spoke to you and you were stubborn and you were proud and you refused to accept that you could ever be judged. Soaking in sin. And okay with it. God has said this to me at the top of February. That conflict that we're seeing in the Middle East, the Lord said is going to become a great war. A very, very, very great war. Here is the message. February the 6th, 2024, the Middle East will be in a war. The entire region will be engulfed in a war. The airstrikes and everything that you're seeing now are going to turn into something major. And none of those Arab countries that you see exhibiting patience now are going to be neutral. So since we're in the prophecy series, I guess this small snippet from February the 6th, it was just something that he said to me, but I told you that I write everything down. I do my best to write it all down. The Middle East is going to go into a war. He said, don't look at that and think, that it's, oh, it's the poor people in Gaza. Oh no, it's this and it's that. He said that entire region is going to end up in a war. And he says that the 
Arab countries that you see that are so neutral now because America is out there stomping her stompy boots as always. You think you can always airstrike people, United States. You think you can bomb people and then you can go back over and drop some food and you think that makes it okay. That's what this, that's what this nation thinks. Do damage and then just a little photo opportunity. We're going to send a few Wheaties over there and we're going to just drop, you know, some Pop-Tarts from the airplane because that's how people need food. The food needs to be dropped and then bomb on the floor like the UN has been doing for years. Photo opportunity, photo opportunity. God says that the entire region is going to be engulfed in a war and the things that we're seeing now, the little tendrils, an airstrike here, a trap there, a lie here, a lie there. Those Jews are going to pay for what they are doing. The Lord already said that these people would be exposed, that they are doers of diabolical acts, wicked acts. He says things that we cannot imagine. And that entire community there and everywhere else that they exist, he said the whole community as a whole are going to fall. So the ones that can't be touched, the ones that can't be talked about, the ones that if you expose them, what happens? You lose your endorsement, you lose your deal, fools start calling you crazy, calling you conspiracy theory, conspiracy theorist, pardon me. God is going to hold them by the lapels and drag them down to the very earth itself. And then when he does it, we will all see and we will all ask ourselves, why do we speak when the Holy One is speaking? What is it about us that our mouth is open when God's mouth is open? And what about us makes us think that that's a good look and that it will end well? It will never end well. When God is speaking, people in the Bible, even the Philistines, used to shut their mouths. Even the heathen in the Bible knew better than to talk when God was talking. The few kings that open their mouth before the paragraph can end, usually before the chapter can end, that person was dead. But this generation doesn't read the Bible, so this generation thinks that the person in the Bible turned into Santa of present day. None of those Arabs are going to stay neutral. God says that you just see them exhibiting patience now. So they're all looking. They're all watching Israel and America. And God says they are exhibiting patience now. But it won't stay like that. And so, a nation has to repent individually and collectively to turn away from judgment. And that is simply not happening here. It's not happening to the degree that it needs to happen. America has thriving areas of witchcraft, magic, Satanist chapters. Human sacrifice takes place in this country. There's altars all around this country. They catch people, they strip them, they sodomize them. That's where people's teenage sons have gone. He told you he was going to a party with his friends. He forgot to tell you that one of his friends is the one who recruits for the brotherhood. He forgot to mention mom that that after-school job is sleeping with these wealthy politicians, these men. He forgot to say it until he went missing. And we don't even have the milk cartons anymore, do we? A 
America has the goat effigy, the Baphomet, that is a favorite among many chapters in this country as their god of choice. America has laws that allow children to be aborted even up to the moment of death. You can kill your baby at any stage of the pregnancy now. And I think it was today, Walmart and CVS will not start carrying the abortion pills. So that was a success. You can now buy milk, bedroom slippers, and death. Trans children and gay children are being supported by the parents. The parents are the chief perpetrators in co-mingling the souls of their children with blasphemous practices that greatly enrage the Lord. Parents in America do not pray over their children. Parents in America do not know how to fight the devil or rebuke Satan. When he comes to confuse and steal first the identities of their children, then their bodies, and eventually their souls. Children are the new sacrifice in the United States on many, many altars. God has been watching all of this. And now the cup is full. That is the prophecy that is called The Slavery Chronicles, A Cup of Wrath, Part 3, June the 7th, 2019. And now I will take you through the witnesses that the Lord gave me concerning repentance, how it's done properly, why it has not been done in America, and why there will be no forgiveness for the sins that are here. And so we look, first of all, in the book of Jonah, chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of God, to the word of the Lord, now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. This means that the city was so wide that Jonah would have to walk across it to go across the whole of it. It would take him three days traveling on foot. And that was the way that God wanted him to do it because God wanted every single person living in Nineveh, from the fish seller to the king in the palace, he wanted them to hear Jonah crying out. And so Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk, then he cried out and he said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he laid aside his robe and he covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? And God saw their works. God saw their works, the things that they did, the actions that they took, the words that they spoke when they heard that they were judged, that they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. 
And so here we find Jonah who has disobeyed God, run away to Tarshish when they didn't send him there and God has caused the fish to swallow him, taught Jonah a lesson that when God tells you to do something, you really shouldn't go with how you feel or whatever you think should be done. You should obey the Lord. And so Jonah has been given a second chance and God tells him, go to Nineveh and Jonah heads in the right direction, comes to Nineveh and begins to walk through the city, this very great city. A three-day journey across and Jonah's walking and he cries out and he says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And I found this so interesting when I was doing this Bible study with God today because I'm thinking, and yet when I give the prophecy, then I get these questions. Why aren't you preaching the gospel? I don't hear the love of Jesus Christ in what you're saying. You should give an altar call at the end of the prophecies. But here's Jonah walking across a city that is the equivalent of New York City, we might say. And all he's saying is, in 40 days, this city is going to be destroyed. In 40 days, this city will be overthrown. And in those days when they say overthrown, they all knew what it meant. It meant that everything on the bottom will be on the top and everything on the top will be on the bottom. The entire thing would be tossed and turned around, broken down, smashed and destroyed. Jonah didn't tell them that an army was coming. He simply told them you will be overthrown. And they understood this being an Israelite prophet, that it was the Israelite prophets, God, that would do it. Did you hear him preaching the gospel? Did you hear him say even to them, repent because God is love and God has no desire that even one should perish? Did you hear him say that there's a separate rapture for the children? Did you hear him say, guys, this is serious. It's time to repent and get your life in order. Did you hear Jonah say any of the things that you get here for free every time? Jonah said, 40 days and you're dead. 40 days and it's over. 40 days and you will learn why sinners should not sin. That's all he said. That is the whole message that God gave, gave him. And this one sentence proves that a prophet is true to the message that they have been given and they don't need to add extras. They don't need to add balloons. They don't need to add bubbles. You wanna hear an altar call? There's a billion pastors out there giving altar calls, fake ones and real ones, take your pick. You wanna hear the gospel? It's overflowing. You can find it anywhere, including in the Bible that's at your house. So prophets are people that have assignments and the prophet who wants to stay happy and not end up in the fish's belly will be true to the assignment without listening to the feedback of the people. And what else does the Bible say? The people of Nineveh believed God. So nobody told Jonah that they were testing his spirit. No one was saying, if the prophet tells you to go after other gods, then you should not believe him. A one sentence message God gave Jonah, 40 days overthrown. But the Bible says that people who were not of the fellowship of faith, the Ninevites were not born again Christians. They had not come up in the tradition of being taught God's word. The commandments were not to them. The commandments were to God's people, the Israelites. But it says that they heard this word and the word provoked what in them? Faith, because that's what belief is. The word hit them in the joints of their armor. The Ninevites had not sinned themselves yet into the point of no return. There was still capacity to be moved to godly sorrow, which leads to true repentance. 
They heard and they didn't say, I'm waiting to see. They didn't come and say, are there any prophecies on Jonah's blog that have come true yet? Jonah had one sentence and everywhere he went, as he walked through the city for three days, from one end to the other, so that no one could claim they didn't hear, that one sentence had a 100% effective rate. Can you imagine that? The sentence was so effective that from the leadership to the goats who do not vote, the goats, the cows, the sheep, the donkeys in Nineveh were put on this fast. They were put in the sackcloth and ashes. Can you imagine every household? Do you know how much wood had to be burned to produce the ashes that the people were sitting in? Do you think that ashes are just hanging around? Hi, welcome to the ash store. How much ash do you need? These people took the initiative to go and cut wood and burn it to produce the ashes. Now you might ask, where did these people learn all this stuff from? These are Israelite customs, the sackcloth and the ashes. These are, these are things that God's people do. These people had observed how God's people lived. Let this be a lesson to the church that the reason that your family can't get saved is because you're the worst Christian they ever saw in their lives. The worst example. If you are what God looks like, they'd rather go to hell. That's what your unsaved family is telling some of you. If this is your God, if you are the representative of God and Joel Austin and TD Jakes that you're watching all the time on TV, if those are the people who teach your God, I'm good. I'm going to stay with Drake and the Lipa girl. That's what they're telling you. Your testimony is terrible and we don't want your God. Yet these sinners knew what the God of the faithful people required. He likes ashes. He likes that horrible potato sack clothes. When you're sorry, you don't go walking around like a peacock. The king took off his robe. He got off the throne. So the first thing is he went from a high position to a low position. Just as I said in this video, he humbled himself. He came right down. No more sitting on the throne because the throne is goldy. The throne is special. I don't think God wants to see me in that position right now. I am a leader, but then I've heard a word from a higher leader. I need to respond appropriately. He came down off the throne. The second thing is that he took off his robe. The king is a man like everyone else. Excuse my hoarseness. The way that the king distinguishes himself is through his vestments. Priests distinguish themselves through their vestments, their garments, their clothing, how they're dressed. There's an appropriateness that goes with position, something that's lost out of the church today. People come to church looking like strippers and strippees. Don't judge me. God is looking at my heart. God is also looking at your cleavage crack. Cover it up. We don't come to the to the house of God to see that. He's looking at everything. Don't think he's looking at one part. Before he can get to your heart, he's looking at all that you have on display. Stop it. It's grievous. It's grievous to the righteous in the house of God. Repent and stop it. The way the king distinguishes himself is through what he wears. His clothing tells you, bright robe, crown, that's the king. The man takes all of that off. He's no different than his courtiers, and he makes sure that nobody else is looking fancy. 
they go into fasting and it says that the king wears sackcloth. Sackcloth is very uncomfortable. It's itchy. It's not comfortable. You don't have to be comfortable when somebody talks to you about your sin. I know this is breaking news around the world. Wow. It hurts to hear about sin. That pain will set you free. That embarrassment, you feel that heat, the way you're upset with me right now, that's the start of a brand new life for you. If you're committed and you're willing to see it through, you don't have to be comfortable when somebody talks to you about unrighteousness versus righteous. If you are unrighteous right now and you don't like the way this sounds, you are in the best position. You're better off than the righteous person because all the righteous person is doing is feeling the heat of divine chastisement and thinking this is good for me. Us who are saved, truly saved hundred percent. We're used to this. We're used to this. We're used to general Jesus showing up and going, tighten that up, tighten that up, fix that. This barracks is clean. I like it. Keep it up. We're used to it. We're used to it because we know greater battles are coming. You're not going to go into a future of demons, Nephilim, spirit of seduction, end times beheading with Jesus going, my child, I am here. No, there's nothing like that. Battlefields are noisy, intimidating, bloody. And only soldiers do well there. That's why the Bible says in the book of Revelation that even cowards will have their place in the lake of fire, right next to the sexually immoral and idolaters and homosexuals and liars. It's going to be an interesting bunch in that lake. Don't be a part of it. This man takes off everything special, everything glitzy. He humbles himself. He comes right down. He he comes down off the elevation. He comes down in terms of his identity. Some of us are so married to our, our identity. We can't repent. What will people think? Who cares? Going to heaven is a solo affair. Going to the lake of fire one by one, one by one. Even if the whole family goes, please listen. Even if the whole church goes, choir department, children's department, children, pastor, Deacon, staff, even if the whole church goes, it's one by one, single file into judgment. Single file into judgment, single file into the internal rest of the Lord. Why should you care what other people think? What are other people doing for you? What does the, appoint, the opinion of the next person have to do with your eternal soul? Who cares if all your boys don't want to get saved? You get saved and leave them and ask God for holy boys. This is not the time to perish in a group. Satan is not loyal to no one. He's not. He's the destroyer of souls. The king put on sackcloth. He wasn't comfortable. He was not comfortable. And then it says he sat in ashes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the king of a nation sitting and waiting for them to burn wood because nobody's eating. So they're not burning the wood to cook dinner. They're fasting. They're just burning the wood. Everyone is uncomfortable. Everyone has received Jonah's one sentence sermon to the heart. 
everywhere wood is burning in Nineveh to prepare the ashes that they must put on their heads. The ashes are woe is me. The ashes on the sackcloth, woe is me. I am a sinner. I am touched with my own evil. I am moved. I didn't know this male harlotry of sleeping around made God so mad. I didn't know that this down low gay lesbian life made God so mad. I didn't know this trans thing was a slap in the face of God's design. I didn't know that the way I came, I wasn't supposed to touch it. I wasn't supposed to masturbate. I wasn't supposed to look at porn. Woe is me. These people actually prepared the ashes to say sorry. And then from the king to the donkey, they put on these ashes. And they said, let us cry mightily to God. Let every one of us turn away from our evil way. So they didn't say, like someone came to the blog and said, abortion really does vary. It really does vary. You don't have to listen to her. That's what they were saying. Let me tell you how wicked people in this country are. Under one of the old videos, someone was listening to the fact that God says without repentance, he will not remove the judgment upon people who have abortions. Someone came and was in the process of repenting for her sin. And that was a year ago. A year ago, I made that video and someone had repented a year ago, was pouring out her heart to God. Someone else was watching that video from a year ago and wrote under the video, it really varies. It's not that black and white. See your uselessness. You, that lady that said that. See the uselessness of your presence upon this earth. That you will see someone in the process, even if she already did it, of communing with her God. And then will come and say, truly like Satan, did God really say? Did God really say? that eating this apple will cause all this problem. See the uselessness of people who are out there taking up space, stumbling other people on their way to the kingdom of God. I will put the video on TikTok. Someone will come and see the video on TikTok. They will be thinking in their heart, this, this really sounds like something. Then instead of tagging someone to come and see, come and see what this lady is preaching. They're tagging, brother so-and-so, what do you make of this? And I always think to myself, what do you make of this? Were you born with brother so-and-so? Are you guys sharing a brainstem? When the Lord is speaking to you, why can't you respond to what the Lord is saying? Why can't you listen for yourself? Why can't you make your own decisions? Why are you tagging brother so-and-so? So brother so-and-so needs to come and then he will say, I'm not sure. I get a check in my spirit. And then you too, having heard the truth, will follow brother so-and-so and also get a check in your spirit. And then the two of you will go off and wait for your lake of fire audition. That's what's happening in the United States today. Just so you can know, for those who think there's a mighty wave of revival happening because I'm here. It's actually a, in, an elite culling blade by blade. That's how I'm getting the people of God blade by blade. I'm not culling in a group. I'm getting one stock here. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for that person. Thank you, Jesus, for that person. I always pray that your repentance will not fail you. I always pray 
that it's not going to work now, and then later it falls away and it fails you. And so this is the first answer that you have here. Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least, cried mightily to God, did not taste anything, do not let anyone eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily from, to the Lord. And yes, let each one turn from his evil way and from the violence in his hands. For who knows if God will relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. The next time anyone comes to this blog and says, yes, but Nineveh repented, please, if you see that comment, ask the person, if they or anyone they know have repented to this level. That is the first witness. The second witness we will look at in Isaiah 38. This is Hezekiah. Isaiah 38. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the relevant parts. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall, and he prayed to the Lord. And he said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this is the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. Behold, I will bring the shadow on the sundial, which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of Ahaz, 10 degrees backward. So the sun returned 10 degrees on the dial by which it had gone down. Then Hezekiah wrote a long poem to the Lord. And um, after, he got the, after he got the prophecy that he would not die, and God said that he would add to his years, and he would give him 15 more years to live, Hezekiah wrote a long song, and in that song, he was basically saying that I'm like a man who can no longer be a part of the land of the living. I'm like someone who will no longer take part among the inhabitants of this world, and my whole lifespan is gone. It's been snatched away from me the way you snatch a shepherd's tent. He even says, I have cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom. Listen to this accountability. The man didn't say, I had a bad upbringing. I had a bad start in life. And that's why I've ended up now being told by God's prophet that I will die. Because in this modern generation, people really think that their mouth is what's going to keep people alive. Someone will rob the Lord. Someone will play in God's face. Someone will mock the Lord on the pulpit. Someone will desecrate themselves by doing wicked activities in the back door that the people of God don't know about. 
And then the Lord who sees everything in the back will come forward and say, my servant, go forth and say that that person shall not live. Just like Isaiah came to a whole king. None of you know kings. None of these fake, dirty pastors that the Lord has named on this blog are kings. They are people who were handed a trust and they have failed in the trust. And now the Lord has found someone who is determined that by his grace, she will not fail in his trust. And he told her, go forth and tell them they shall not live. So Hezekiah didn't say, who are you? I'm going to live longer and you're just wishing death on me. No, Hezekiah actually says, I cut my life off like the weaver. He heard the prophecy and he knew that the person who was responsible for him ever getting such a prophecy was him. This man's repentance is some of the best repentance that we can find in the word of God. Isaiah 38, make sure you go and read it. If you don't understand it in the King James, read it in the new King James. If you don't understand it in the new King James, read it in the new living translation or try an NIV. Read it in the simplest language you can and see the accountability that he took. I cut my life off, he said. I did God wrong. He says, I cut my life off. And then he says, he cut me off from the loom. So Hezekiah is basically saying, I was weaving my life, but the way I weaved it was like a fool weaves. I got too many knots in there and too many tangles. And then I made a mistake and I pulled the string and he said, God cut me off. Because that's what happens when you get a bad patch in the loom. You either unweave it, which is time consuming, or you just cut it off and weave new thread over it. All the new thread, God will bring us to the forefront. The untangled thread, the undirtied thread, the thread that doesn't join the Illuminati and do horns in the video, all the thread that is tangled and soiled, he will cut it off from the loom. And every time he cuts it, my camera will go on and I will say, the word of the Lord has been fulfilled. All glory to the Lord, thus saith the Lord. And God will weave new thread in because he's tired of this nonsense that people support. He is tired of the tangles. He's tired of the knots. He's tired of us covering for sin. Hezekiah said that he sinned himself into an early grave and he knew that he was blessed, that he repented. Does it say that the Israelites repented on King Hezekiah's behalf and said, Isaiah, why are you wishing death on our good king? Hezekiah was a good king, but he made some foolish moves and God got tired of them. Does it say that anyone was in that room when the judgment came to him? It says he repented. Not a single sentence here says that he kept his head up and made his back straight. He said, I will not see God. Hezekiah says, in the prime of my life, I'm going to the gates of hell. Listen to that accountability. While I'm still young, he says, I am being deprived of the rest of my years. This man doesn't blame God in a single sentence. He says, I mourned like a dove and my eyes gazed upward. God, I am oppressed, he says. Undertake for me. He's 
begging God, please, Lord, I sinned the sin. Now I'm repenting the repentance. When have you heard that from a pulpit in this country? When have you heard that from an American pulpit? Well, I know I slept with her, but we're all human. And see the fools. We're all human, pastor. We all miss it. When did any of you last miss it with a 14-year-old? Please write that in the comments. I'm just asking for a friend. Since we, collectively, all miss it, would you like to share the last time you missed it with a minor? I just want to know how prevalent this missing that we all miss it is. This is what Hezekiah told God. He said, hell will not thank you and death will not praise you. And anyone who goes down to the pits can never hope for your truth. It is only the living, the living man. He will praise you as I do this day. The father who makes known his truth to the children. So whenever God tells you the truth, it's something to praise him for. I don't like your attitude. Praise you, Jesus, because there's an opportunity for me to fix it. My daughter, I'm very disappointed in the fact that you gossip. I praise you, Jesus, for using my coworker to tell me that about myself. You are the father who makes known the truth to his children. The ancient people were so wise. In their sin, they were wise. And you cannot even find a fingernail's worth of their wisdom today among us. It's so hard to find a wise person in these last days. It's so hard to find a soft heart in these last days. But I thank God. I know his remnant is there. I absolutely know God's people are there. We'll go to Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son, another story of repentance and restoration. Then he said, this is Jesus speaking, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. The father split everything down the middle, younger son and the older son. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and he journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want, meaning that he was lacking. He was hungry. He was starving, fall on difficult times. He wasted everything he had and then he began to suffer for his decisions. Then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare while I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, 
and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And so here we see in Luke chapter 15, Yet another story of repentance. And what is common to all these witnesses that you have heard is realization. This feeds back to exactly what I said in the beginning of this video. No man repents unless he realizes that he is guilty. And confessing that one is guilty is the hardest part of repentance. The hardest part of repenting is admitting that the problem is you. The problem is not your mother-in-law. The problem is not your husband. The problem is not your work supervisor. The problem is not your, your this or your that. They may be feeding into the greater discomfort of what the situation is. But when you know that you're at fault and you don't do the hard work of putting up your hand first and saying, Lord, it's me. Lord, it's me. It's me. How are you ever going to come to any kind of self-awareness? How can we at this late stage, with this nation at this point of decline, how can we in any good faith say to one another that things are not that bad? Do you know what it is to consistently keep hearing someone tell you that children are getting eaten? You had a meal today. Was it child? Did you find a toe or a finger or a little baby tooth in your taco today? Do you know what it is to live in a nation where the Lord says that they grind up human meat and put it in the food and then sell it to you at McDonald's and other fast food places? You don't find it strange? that with the cost of meat and the cost of everything, food will just be five bucks for like the last 40 years. And then you will say it's the height of a good economy. You don't pray over your food. People don't pray over their homes. You don't pray over your children. And yes, you just, you just expect, you just expect good times. You say that they're good times. This nation has destroyed other people's economies, destroyed other people's homes, destroyed other people's nations, destroyed other people's bodies. And yet when they hear the God of justice say that I know that you have, you have 
tampered with the South American economies and destroyed them. You have tampered with the, with the African economies and destroyed them. You have used sanctions. You have used bans. You have used bullying. You have used negative propaganda. You have destroyed the lives of other people. Why the shock? Why the shock when one day the same mail that you sent to all these borders arrives at our borders? Is this not being disingenuous? Is this not being fake? Just be honest for two seconds. Is this not the most lack of self-awareness you ever heard? Who ever heard of empire continuing forever? Especially one that batters and causes oppression like this. Did you really think that the Lord would not box for us an express package and send it to us also? Did you really think that there would be no unjust leaders, no unjust laws. This young man was self-aware. He didn't get a prophecy like Hezekiah. He didn't get a prophecy like Nineveh. Hezekiah is a picture of individual repentance. Nineveh is a picture of national repentance. This young man didn't get a prophecy. He came to a point of self-awareness because he was suffering. I've said to many people out there, people who are not even listening right now, you know them, and so you will see the prophecy coming true in their life. God will drag a lot of people to get you. Since you won't come willingly, since you won't come on your two legs, you're going to come on your knees. You're going to come by your lapels. You're going to come dragged through the mud, through the dirt, through some stuff. By the time you arrive, those of us who came walking will just be looking at you with all that dust and hay and, and sod in your mouth and be like, oh, you must be new. You're going to come because he has love for you enough. Maybe because of prayers your grandmother laid down 50 years ago. He's going to drag you in. You're going to come drug in. Since you don't want to listen and come walking and say, it's me. This one was dragged in by circumstances. He was dragged in because he was confronted with eating pig food. But he couldn't even touch the pig food because the boss gave him the pig food for the pigs. It wasn't for him. This is a picture of really, really, really coming to your lowest because this is an Israelite looking after pigs. They didn't eat pork. They didn't raise pigs. Pigs were not a part of that ancient community. And yet, ironically, this is what he ended up looking after. Basically, the height of embarrassment and shame. And yet, having come from so high up, this is what America is going to look like from the highest to being mocked by somewhere small like Uzbekistan or Fiji. You can already hear the nations talking about America. You already see these presidents going off in the news. I told you in 2021 that everybody is going to be getting on their national radio stations and talking about this country and just saying the wildest things that they feel like saying. And none of it is wrong either. If you're honest, none of it is wrong. It's hard to hear, but it's not wrong. It's all well-deserved. And yet, it's only just begun.
And so, the last thing is the prophetic word that the Lord gave me. This prophetic word is dated March the 1st, 2024. Just a moment, please. And the title of this prophetic word is Decay and Disorder in America. And I'm going to read Ezekiel 11 here before I give the prophecy. Just a moment, please. Here we go. There's a marker there. I'm going to read it and then paraphrase. I'm reading Ezekiel chapter 11 from verse 1 to verse 13. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the Lord's house, which faces eastward. And there at the door of the gate were 25 men, among whom I saw Jezaniah, the son of Azur, and Palatia, the son of Benaiah, princes of the people. And he said to me, Son of man, these are the men who devise iniquity and give wicked counsel in this city, who say, The time is not near to build houses. This city is the cauldron, and we are the meat. Therefore, prophesy against them. Prophesy, O son of man. Then the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said to me, Speak, thus says the Lord. Thus you have said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. You have multiplied your slain in this city, and you have filled its streets with the slain. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Your slain whom you have in its midst, they are the meat, and this city is the cauldron. But I shall bring you out of the midst of this. You have feared the sword, and I will bring a sword upon you, says the Lord God. And I will bring you out of its midst and deliver you into the hands of strangers and execute judgments upon you. You shall fall by the sword. I will judge you at the border of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. This city shall not be your cauldron, nor shall you be the meat in its midst. I will judge you at the border of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, for you have not walked in my statutes, nor executed my judgments, but have done according to the customs of the Gentiles, which are all around you. Now it happened, this is verse 13, the last one. Now it happened while I was prophesying that Pelatiah, the son of Benaiah, died. Then I fell on my face and I cried with a loud voice and I said, Ah, oh, Lord God, will you make a complete end of the remnant of Israel? And so here they are. And the Lord is showing Ezekiel part of the reason that he is going to judge these people. He is upset with the people. He has been listing all the way from Jeremiah, all the various sins and things that he is offended about. And then God supernaturally takes Ezekiel on a trip. So it says that he says the spirit lifted him up, which means he basically traveled in the spirit. He had a vision and God brought him to the eastward facing gate. And there God showed him about 25 elders. So these were not from my understanding here. These are not religious leaders. There's another part of the Bible, I think, where the Lord showed Ezekiel through a hole in the wall all the wickedness that they were doing 
in the temple. He was seeing very unclean practices that they were doing in the temple. But here in chapter 11, God was showing him what the leaders in government were doing. So 25 men were gathered at the East gate and the Lord brought Ezekiel there in the spirit to show him and make him privy to what was going on in the minds of the leaders. So they're surrounded and there's a siege and the people are being told by their leaders, don't worry. Don't worry. We're not in any danger. See us. We're like meat and the high walls of Jerusalem around us are like the very strong iron, iron walls of a great pot. We can't be reached in here. We can't be touched in here. And this is what God tells him. This is what God tells Ezekiel that will turn that entire narrative on its head and prove that the leaders are lying and prove that they are not saying the truth and prove that they are only men speaking to deceive other men in the face of a very dangerous situation that, quite frankly, if you didn't have voices telling you Oh no, I know you see the situation this way, but let us paint another picture for you this way. If you didn't have those voices suggesting to you that you should look at the situation in the wrong manner, then you would be able to look at the situation head on and be honest with yourself about it. And so this is what prophecy does. Prophecy will cut right through the status quo to tell you what is really going on. Prophecy will cut right through the propaganda right through the lies, right through the official line and will tell you, God says this and this is what is going to happen. And so what Ezekiel says to them at the request of God is, God says, house of Israel, that he knows everything that's going on in your mind. And he says that you have multiplied how many people have died in this city and your streets are filled with the dead. That's because they're in the city under siege and they're starving. That's what a siege does. Cuts off supplies and things like that. And so the invaders are outside and the people are on the inside. And God says, you have a lot of people that have died in this city now, and your streets are filled with the dead. And now you're saying that you, the living ones, are the meat, and you're protected by the high walls of the pot, the cauldron. You're protected by the high walls of the city. But God says, let me tell you something. The people who have already died, since you're saying that the meat is protected, I'm telling you that the people who have already died are the ones who are protected. This city may indeed be a cauldron, meaning that it surely does have high walls and it could be like an iron fence protecting you. But I'm letting you know that the only people who are protected in this city are the people who have already died. The dead are the meat, not you who's talking. And the walls are protecting the dead. But for you who live, he says, I will draw you out of the pot. So God is saying, I'm going to reach into that cauldron and I'm going to pluck you out. And the only people who will stay safe in the cauldron are the dead. He says that you're afraid of the sword. You're scared of war. But I'm bringing a sword upon you. I'm bringing war to you, says the Lord God. And I will bring you out of the midst 
out of the midst of what? Out of the midst of this city, out of the midst of the thing you're saying is protected. And I will deliver you into the hands of strangers and I will execute all my judgments upon you. You will fall by the sword and I will judge you at the border of your land. And then you will know that I am the Lord God. This city will not be your cauldron, nor will you be like meat in the middle of it. I will judge you at the border of your land. And then you will know that I am God because you refuse to walk in my statutes and you refuse to carry out my judgments, but you have done according to all the Gentiles ways that are around you. And Ezekiel bears witness here that while he was still testifying, one of the government officials dropped dead and it caused him to be in a great shock. And so the prophetic word that the Lord has given me here, now that you have heard the reading and it has been explained to you, God says to the nation of America, your leaders have told you that there will be no danger here. They have said that there will be no war. They have told you that the economy is stable and that the seat belts are on just to get people through a rough patch. They have told you that there are no enemies that they cannot take care of but none of what they say is true. I, the Lord, say to you that America will stagger under the weight of her judgments and her feet will march to the drums of war. America as an athlete has failed her trials and she will no longer continue. She is locked into her destiny and it will surely fall upon her. Civil war is coming to America, the same war from the past. A war of ideology based on different views of the population that could not be reconciled. Civil war right in the streets of Atlantis. The battleground for immorality instead of morality. The home of whoredoms and every perversion under the sun. America lost her morals long ago. Her decline and decay are visible now, undeniable and overall unremarkable. The expected has happened to the brass harlot and now she will die in her sins. She will be handed over to the beast system and soon the signs of the new world order will be everywhere. You will be under lockdown of a majority rules system. Whatever the masses want will be what is done. No more special interests, no more minority consideration. No more assessment based on racial equality or equity of or equality of any sort. It is going to be mob rule. Your leaders will be taken away one by one until America is like a headless animal trying to find its way home. No guidance will be given from heaven and wisdom will be extremely limited. Instead, a mind of madness will descend on the population and people will be savage and violent like they've never been before. This is the word of the Lord. This prophecy is called Decay and Disorder in America, March the 1st, 2024. So just got this prophecy this evening as I was rounding up the last Bible study. And God says basically that the leaders have been given giving a certain line to us here in the country. So they've been telling us certain things, 
One of the biggest lies that the American government has been giving since I first noticed it, at least in 2021, is that there is no inflation in the country, that we are not having any kind of inflation whatsoever, and that the economy is healthy and the economy is stable. I know that this is a lie because in 2021, I shared my experience of going to the grocery store as always to pick up um, just a few basics. And I went to the meat section and when I reached out to touch the meat, the meat had gone from 4 or $5 to $13. And of course, you're probably chuckling now because meat usually starts with a two, if you're getting a large tray, $24 for things like that. I mean, I know that New York prices are a little high, but even taking that into consideration, I could not understand in what, in what world meat would cost $13.94, $13.99. I thought, what is happening in the supermarket? And I thought perhaps it was me, but it's a, it's a large supermarket. A lot of people go to it. And when I tried to switch, I found that the prices were even higher and they've never come down ever since then. America is experiencing <laughs> double digit inflation and they've been lying for years and keeping it at single figures. But your wallet is telling you the difference and you will not you will not be able to gaslight yourself into believing what these people say for much longer. It doesn't matter how dedicatedly millions of people are doing that now. Our fiscal reality is telling us something different. There's no way that anybody can believe that this economy is healthy with this many unemployed people, mass unemployment, group unemployment. People are being fired with no package whatsoever, and it's going viral all over social media. Why? Because people are recording what's happening to them, and they're putting it out in public so people can see how these corporations behave. And I've prophesied here, and I've told you that in the beast system, it's the world of the corporations. It's the world of the corporations. These corporations already have so much social influence. They have too much power for businesses. They're banding together at the back to form un, unannounced monopolies that control people. And you're, you've been told already in the old prophecies, just go and look, you've been told that we will go through economic hardships. You've been told that we will go through um, so much loss of money that the currency is going to drop up to 60% in this country. That dream is from 2018. You've been told that even at one point, as we go along this timeline, silver and gold are going to fail. You've been told that they will take all the money away. They're going to rip out the ATMs, board them up, shut them down, and we will go into cloud money. You were told all these things. You were told that every single bank in America will fail. I said every single bank, no exceptions, no saving, gross economic crisis is coming. And so we're being told that there's a high wall. And yet my prophecies have names like America will be like Zimbabwe. Have you seen Zimbabwe? Have you seen have you seen the comments under that pro that prophecy on the blog? Have you seen the comments under that prophecy on the channel? Have you seen what the people in Zimbabwe shared about their experiences over the last decade? That they don't have money, that they don't have goods, that their economy has been gasping, 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 and they themselves are surprised that it still exists to this day after all the sanctions and blockages and blockades and embargoes and things that they have suffered. Have you seen when they share that they're hanging on by their fingernails and they themselves 
don't know how they're living day to day. And yet the prophecy is entitled, not America's economy will do great, MAGA on. It's entitled, America will be like Zimbabwe part one and part two. And it details the loss of money, the loss of financial freedom, the loss of currency in all forms, coins, notes, bank cards, everything. The money is going to go cloud digital. It's going to be called coin, some kind of coin. The prophecy is called the nascent rise of coin. There's a prophecy called systemic risk. All these prophecies talk about these things that don't match up what we're hearing from headquarters. So why are people, for the most part, on both party lines, still believing headquarters? Because they've been trained to do that. God says the leaders have told us that we won't face danger. The leaders have said that we won't face war. Does it look like we're not going to face war? Do the people outside look friendly to the USA? Is America enjoying a burst of popularity right now because of the choices she's making in the Middle East? They've told you the economy is stable. They've told you that they're only tightening the seatbelt to get you through a rough patch. They've told you that there's no enemy threats that America can't take care of. And yet the, proph the prophecies have said that Russia and China are inside the borders. Go and watch the prophecy that's called China is ready. That these people actually have structures here where at the top it looks like a hotel or anything. And that's just to keep Americans distracted. That China's actually working under the ground here. China was exposed for having their own police force operating autonomously. That is without oversight here in New York City. Are you trying to tell me that the American government, that the New York state government did not know that the Chinese people have cops here that don't answer to American cops? How many times have people from China been exposed as operating factories in the middle of neighborhoods and everyone just assumed it was an American factory. They had no idea what was happening. Hasn't that happened two or three times already? How many times since I started making the prophecies in 2019 and saying that Russia has moles in the government, two types of moles, Russian moles who everyone thinks are Americans and Americans who are so disloyal to their bone marrow that they're selling secrets. Since I started saying that in 2019, how many times have people been busted on the news? How many times? Husband, wife, team selling off medical records. Didn't I say that the medical records of Americans have already been shipped over so that they even know your six diseases and when they get here, they'll be like, yeah, that's the one with the diabetes and the cholesterol and the fear of spiders. I said they have access to all these things. The Lord has said that because people download these apps, Chinese apps, and you give them your fingerprint because you want to gamble and you give them the phone, your fingerprint, and you give your bank information, they can find everything about you just from where that card is. They have access to your entire profile on people. How many times have people in the U.S. military been busted since I gave that prophecy? To those who always come, has anything ever happened yet? You can't know what's happened because so much is happening. It's like it's always happening all the time. Everywhere you go, these messages are unfolding. 
And the key is that they were spoken before they started hitting the news. Exactly as I said, I said, you will see the things that I tell you on the news. And when you see them, you will know God was speaking here. God was warning here. Disloyal people selling medical records, selling the location of bases, the army bases where, where the soldiers are not even, where we're not even supposed to know there's a base. People are giving the Russians that. There's one of these prophecies that actually says that the Russians have cataloged everything. They've seen everything. Even the animals in the national parks, they have cataloged. They have this species, this species, and this species in the national parks. They have this here. They have that here. The nation is watched from outside. The nation is watched from inside. And yet the government is sitting and telling you that uh, the Kremlin can't do, can't do nothing with you. And God says that none of that is true. America is going to fall down under the weight of her judgments. And you heard that in the beginning of the prophecy that the cup is heavy, the cup is full, and the cup will fall down. And the Lord is saying that America will march to the drums of war. And the picture the Lord has always been showing is that America will say, we don't want war, and we, we don't want war. And God says, this nation will march to the war, whether she wants it or not. The Lord gives a picture of America as an athlete that was competing, but she failed the trial. And so she will not be allowed to continue even further. So the other nations are going to continue on to those who don't understand and who think that the rapture has to happen so that America can't suffer. This is just, this is very irresponsible thinking. I cannot even say it's delusion because delusion requires a certain amount of not being in the room. To think that this country is not going to face its judgment and that the things that are being said here don't, don't affect every single soul living here because, oh no, you know, the catching away, all this that she's saying will happen. It's, thing is happening right now. What do you mean? It's happening right now. God says the United States is locked into her destiny and her destiny will surely fall upon her. A civil war, the same kind of war from the past a war that is based on vastly different ideologies. This is different viewpoints. We want slaves. No, these are people. They need to be free. No, they're not. They're different from us. They're different. And, and they're just not the same. And this thing, this thing eventually. Also financial gain. Just the ability to keep free labor. It led to war. And God says it will be basically the same type of war ideological war, inability to join two viewpoints together so that the nation can work together as one. Inability to agree. And civil war is coming to the streets of Atlantis. If you wonder why God is calling America Atlantis, it was explained years ago, 2019, 2020, where the Lord was saying that the same judgment that happened to Atlantis, that Atlantis um, drowned and went under the sea, the same thing will happen here. God says that America is the battleground where immorality fights morality. And morality has already left the room. Morality is tired. Morality went to lay down. Immorality is winning in the United States. The Lord says it's the home of whoredoms. Whoredoms is just that big batch of sin that have to do with all the sexual stuff. So you just... All the things that I have covered here over the years, every kind of offensive thing that you can do with a human body, that is whoredoms. Home of whoredoms, home of every perversion under the sun, 
America lost her morals years ago. And when morals fade, do you know what happens? The entire landscape becomes less beautiful. It really does. You go to the park now, you're bound to see something that will just make you pack up the whole picnic basket, grab the kids, and go right back home. Going to have the picnic in the backyard because you can't risk it in the park these days. When morality fails, when morals are lost, then you can see the decline coming up. Then you see the decay. Then your eyes begin to notice, like, was it, was it always like this? When you live in a country where you can't go down certain streets now because it's completely taken over to addiction, it's completely taken over to crime. Um, yes. And the thing is strange. God says that the decline is visible, okay? It's undeniable, okay? But he says it's unremarkable. I really struggled with this part. Lord, all these sins that you list every day, all these things that you say every day, how can you say it's unremarkable? I was really puzzled. But the answer is in the next sentence. He says the expected has happened to the brass harlot. God is not surprised that where America has ended up at all. And this is very damning. God knows everything. Yes. But for the omniscient one to say, well, I never expected anything different. Do you know how terrible that is? That means that at the height of the glory days, at the height of writing hymns and sending letters I greet you in the name of this pastor and uh, greet you in the name of the Lord. And we send you good tidings as the pilgrims from then until now, God was saying that I always knew you would disappoint me. I always knew. And that's why I always say, all you have to do is look at revelation 18 to know that this game was locked from the beginning. And he always knew where this nation would end up. And the Lord is speaking of the loss of all social interests, all special interests, no more minorities consideration. So you've, we've already started to see it with the dismantling of affirmative action for various groups. But he's saying that all forms of equality, racial equality, this is equality with disabilities. This is gender equality, maybe because women didn't used to have this and women didn't used to have that. All forms of it are going to be done away with. And he says it will be replaced by mob rule. And all you have to do is listen to the Kamala Harris prophecy from a few days ago. I will put it in the description box. The name escapes me now. And you will hear more about that, about block voting. How it will now just be by sheer numbers, sheer force of number. He says, whatever the mob wants, the mob gets. So imagine this. A rigid future with draconian laws, but at the same time, mob rule. Just think of the Colosseum. The two people fight and then they say, how many say that the gladiator should kill him? How many say that the gladiator should show mercy? And then just based on human, the surge of human emotion, Add that when the Bible says that people will not have compassion and that their love would grow cold. And just try to imagine an iron government with insane, wicked people inside it. Voting for every unholy thing under the sun. Pedophile marriage. 
That's it. We need freedom for the pedophiles. Bestiality marriage. That's it. We need to marry our dogs. Just imagine that. Unrighteousness, but sanctioned by the people agreeing to it, by the people saying we want this. And the last thing, you can find this in Ezekiel 11 and 13, where it says that even as Ezekiel was still prophesying the word of the Lord, one of the government ministers, Pilatia, the son of Benaiah, who was one of the princes of the people, this means one of the elite, one of the governments, one of the sons of the wealthy people in government, dropped dead. And here the Lord is saying that your leaders will be taken away one by one and America will end up like a headless animal trying to find its way home. Because without leaders, without sound leadership, without good leadership, God is just basically saying that the country is going to go off the rails. It's going to go wandering. And he's saying that on top of that, he will not give any guidance and we will struggle to find any wisdom. Wisdom in government, wisdom in the church, wisdom in the schools. Wisdom in male and female relationships, wisdom in the female community, wisdom in the male community, wisdom from the elders. Heaven will abandon the minds of people here. And the Lord says, instead, a mind of madness will come on the population and people will end up being savage and violent like they've never been before. And so this is what happens when you have more unrighteous than righteous, when you have more unrepentant than repentant, when you have more people who are theological experts and want to debate everything than people who are cut by the flying of the arrows. This is what happens. The cup becomes full. Nobody is praying for the cup to get less. And then the cup is going to fall down because there's not enough people trying to prop it up. You have heard the word of the Lord May God bless you. I know for my part, I have fully delivered the message that God has given me here. It's coherent. It's consistent with everything that I've been saying over the years. It's spoken clearly. You cannot say you haven't heard it. You cannot say you haven't understood it. If you understand it and you match the first marker, there's still the second marker. How is it going to be? How is it going to be received? How is it going to be received when you share it with others? How is it going to be received when you click share and you send it? Will you be told two hours? No way. But that's because this is not Lord of the Rings. No special effects. Peter Jackson isn't here. So will the length be too much? Thank you to you guys on TikTok who cut these videos. I do appreciate you, I have to say. Quite a blessing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Because the clips are nice to download and re-upload. You are a blessing. Thank you so much. So, even if we receive at the first marker, how is it going with the second marker, sharing it with your community? We need to be honest with ourselves. It's time to pray. It's time to facilitate more of the Holy Spirit in our day. This is not the time to have breakdowns and I'm just weak with these prophecies and I'm just afraid with these prophecies. The impact is coming. Anyone who knows that a storm is coming, isn't that what they do in the Midwest, in the South? When a storm is coming, people go out and they put storm 
doors and storm window covers and they cover their cars and they sometimes go down in the stairs. They don't sit on the front porch when they hear a tornado warning and say, I'm just weak. I'm just, I'm so weak and I just, I'm so afraid. No, people prepare. Jesus said this to the disciples. He said, in fact, to the people he was teaching, he said, you know how to discern in the sky when bad weather is coming and you know how to prepare. How is it that you cannot discern the times? Very good question. The impact is coming no matter what any of us do. So that means that how we navigate this impact is due to disposition. You cannot face impact out of a sad heart, out of a broken heart, out of a fretful heart. You need to do the work inside for soundness, for balance. And then perhaps when you pray, you will be settled and you will be able to hear the Lord. Just as the Lord gave Noah instructions, the Lord has instructions for every household. Let me tell you this, even the households that would not repent, if they would have repented, God would have instructions for that father, that mother, that family, because he's not unjust. He has prepared the ark for everyone. The problem is that not everyone cares to get on it. And that too is their decision. You heard the examples of repentance. America has done none of those. And now that the impact is so, so close, individuals repent and then speak the truth in love to the people around you. And may God season your tongue with salt to make your witness very effective. I'm Celestial and this is the Master's Voice. Please make sure that you look in the drop down menu to understand everything about this channel. Look under the video, right under the title, you'll see a little box. Please make sure that you read everything that is there so that you don't just do things that you want to do when you come here. You're always welcome here, but there has to be decorum. There has to be mutual respect. You cannot come here and insult me. I'm not going to stand for that at all. This is not a place where you can come and have tantrums. Absolutely not. And so, um, God bless you. God keep you. God make his face to shine upon you and the Lord bless you and sustain you with his peace until I see you again. God bless you and goodbye.